You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to take you through another season of Gonzaga Hoops. I am joined today by a very special guest, super excited about this to have ESPN Sean Farnham on the show. Most of you know Sean, obviously he's covered a ton of Gonzaga games over the last couple of years. Really thrilled that you took the time to come onto the show, Sean. Thank you so much. Ah, no worries whatsoever. It's a great time of year. Uh, getting to that turn, we're less than a month away now from conference tournaments, uh, Champ Week, uh, and then right after that, you you get to the dance, and it's uh, it's going to be a great run, uh, in particular in a conference this year um, that is deeper uh, than I think that it's ever been, uh, and so it's made for some good, compelling basketball so far. Yeah, the WCC has been incredibly fun this year. It's been a it's been a fun year all across the the West Coast for hoops. I think you know the Mountain West has looked good. Uh, WCC's looked great. Uh, Tommy Lloyd's got that Arizona team cooking uh, in the Pac-12. Uh, I want to talk about a lot of that stuff, but before we get there, I really want to talk about uh, an opportunity that that you brought up. You're going to be in Spokane, obviously covering the Gonzaga St. Mary's game on Saturday, but. Before that, you get an opportunity to go to the Davenport to pass out the infamous Farnham flatbread, raise some money for Coaches versus Cancer. Really, really cool thing that you're doing. Uh, I was just hoping to give you an opportunity to kind of talk a little bit about that event and, and how fans uh, and listeners can potentially support that and support Coaches versus Cancer. Yeah, it, look, it was about a year ago that the Davenport decided to, uh, A, bring it back because uh, my previous trip, which I believe was was – the day, January 6th, maybe January 7th, uh, mm-hmm. 2020, I remember the, the day I was watching the insurrection on television yeah. as people were storming the Capitol. Uh, <laughs> and we we're going through all of our COVID tests and protocols just to be able to call a game live in person. It was that BYU game uh, mm-hmm. that they moved up at the start of conference play. Uh, and, and I said during the game, I said, I'm disappointed. There's no spicy shrimp flatbread. I'm like, I love the spicy shrimp flatbread. How could they not? How could they not have it on the menu? I like I was so disappointed. <laughs> so uh, obviously they surprised me about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, they brought it back, uh, and then they named it uh, the Farnham Flatbread now. Uh, and and they were a great partner last year. We raised $5,000 during the, uh, the NCAA tournament um, for Coaches versus Cancer a year ago um, based on just sales uh, and, and, and the willingness of the Davenport Hotel uh, to help me in my, my consistent efforts in, in combating cancer. You know, I lost my father-in-law in 2018. After a 14-year battle of cancer, my father recently, uh, two months ago, was told he has stage three melanoma cancer uh, and has started his treatment process. And it, it impacts all of us. And I don't think there's a person that will watch this that goes, you know, I, I don't know anybody that's ever had cancer. Mm-hmm. And while we've talked so much about numbers in the last year, and, and certainly COVID numbers are important for us to pay attention to, uh, there are numbers that have not been reported nearly enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the early detection uh, doctor's appointments that were canceled because of COVID-19 uh, is we're seeing a, a dramatic spike now in, in cancer cases and not only cancer cases, uh, but picking them up in stage three, in stage four, uh, which means your, your, your battle's a little bit steeper. Um, hmm. And I think that that's one of the things uh, that why right now it's even more important for me to bring awareness to it. Obviously my colleague Dick Vitale is fighting cancer and does great mm-hmm. work with the foundation. I work with the V foundation, but I'm on the national council 
of coaches versus cancer, which is why uh, I, I made the decision last week on air. I said, you know, <laughs> great. And they're in the San Diego. I was like, great, we're going to go up there. I should pass out the, the Farnham flatbread. Mm-hmm. And before the game ended, I had already had a, a direct message. The Davenport Hotel, by the way, slides in my DMs all the time on Twitter. <laughs> um, but they said, hey, are, are you serious about that? And I said, yeah, I'm serious about it. How about we do it for mm-hmm. coaches versus cancer, just like we did last year? Tell the chef, order a bunch more shrimp. Let's pack the <laughs> safari room. Uh, I'll work for you know two and a half hours of serving Farnham flatbreads to anybody that comes in and orders a Farnham flatbread. I will deliver the Farnham flatbread to them um, and uh, hopefully raise some really good money for coaches versus cancer. And for those that, that can't make it in person, uh, I'll have a website uh, that I'll put out on my social media later on this week in conjunction with coaches versus cancer, where if you just want to donate $5, you know, or, or the price of the Farnham flatbread, which I think is $13. Uh, and you want to just make a donation, uh, all, all of that money, 100% of that money is going to, to, to impact and, and the fight against cancer. And I think it's just, you know, one of those things that we need to continue to talk about. It's it's just importance. Uh, we're going to have over 700,000 people in the United States die this year alone because of cancer. Um, and so many more, 1.7, 1.8 million are going to hear those words for the first time, you have cancer. And so it's it's a very important mission for me. It will continue to be an important mission. And uh, I, I thank the Davenport Hotel for their support, their willingness to support me in, in this cause. Uh, but more importantly, I'd like to thank the people of Spokane. Now, the, the community, people always ask me, why do you love you know, Spokane and, and the Davenport Hotel? And Because they became my road family. I mean, like that's, that's really the truth of it, is I, I travel so much in my job. And I, I go to so many different places and there's great places um, across the country that I get to travel to. And even my time in the SEC of going to Lexington, Kentucky and being around that program was was awesome. Um, but there has never been a place that has treated me like Spokane. Uh, Robin and Jen, who who are two servers, legitimate servers uh, at the Davenport uh, mm-hmm. in the safari room, have been great people. They're friends of mine. I have their numbers. We call. We talk to each other. I'm going to see them in Vegas uh, at the conference tournament. Uh, Mark Few has always been gracious with his time and his willingness to allow me access to his players. Uh, it's it's a special, special community, which is why it has a special basketball program, is because the community really does uh, rally around its its team. And and I hope that Spokane will rally around this one more time for me uh, and Coaches versus Cancer uh, next Friday uh, from 4.30 to 7 o'clock. I will be serving. Uh, and again, I, I, I told the head chef, order a lot of shrimp because I'm counting <laughs> on people. I thank you so much for doing this, Sean. I think it's so cool to to have this opportunity to to help raise awareness about cancer. Obviously, you mentioned Dick Vitale and, and his fight with cancer and the really emotional game that he covered earlier this year, a Gonzaga game versus UCLA when he was kind of back back on the call. And uh, you mentioned Spokane and just kind of the love of that town. And that was kind of the next thing that I wanted to ask you about. You've you've clearly showed so much love and appreciation for the city. And I know everybody thinks that their college town is special and unique. And in some degree, obviously, they all are. But but is there something particularly unique about Spokane? Is it just is it just the people? Is it the community? Is it the the basketball program? Like, what is it that just has really made this feel like such a home to somebody like you who's who's not from this town and didn't grow up around here? Yeah, passion. I mean, yeah. in life, what, what drives us? Passion, right? Professionally speaking, I get to do a job that I'm passionate about, which means mm-hmm. that I don't wake up in the morning dreading going to work. I wake up sometimes now dreading to go to the airport for my flights, sure. <laughs> uh, but definitely don't dread 
going to work and having the opportunity to cover college basketball on the, on the platform that I, that I have at ESPN. Um, I, I think what you look at in towns that make it unique, uh, you know, I've, I've covered every conference in the country here mm-hmm. at ESPN. I've been fortunate enough to call games in Allen Fieldhouse. It's, it is a church for basketball. I mean, yeah. it is a special, special place. Uh, you go to Lexington, Kentucky for Rupp Arena, and there's 20,000 plus people, and it's Midnight Madness, uh, Big Blue Madness, as they call it there. Uh, it's just tremendous. I was there for the Midnight Madness at, at Duke with Zion mm-hmm. Williamson and R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish. I mean, that was a show inside there, just an electric place. And to your point, you know, like Auburn and what Bruce Pearl has built down there, the yeah. jungle, it's a great environment. Innately, what, what we're talking about here in all of those environments that I just mentioned are the students more than anything. Um, what makes a great college town? What makes a great environment for college basketball is the students. And BYU has an unbelievable student section. We saw that again show up and show out uh, the other night. Uh, they, were, they were camped out for two days mm-hmm. because the Zags were coming into town. And there's almost 6,000 students that were there inside that building uh, on Saturday, which is just awesome. He is a broadcaster. It makes me smile. It brings it adds life to my call. Like one of the things I really disliked about the COVID year was calling the games in sterile environments. And, and most of the time I was calling from my house mm-hmm. um, and it was just very disconnected and didn't make me feel like college basketball was really college basketball. It made me feel like I was calling essentially some glorified scrimmages right. um, with, with officials uh, that, that did matter, you know? Uh, so <laughs> what, what makes Spokane so unique is that, it's not just the students that are passionate. The Kendall Club is is one of the best student sections in the country, uh, and they are certainly loud and, and proud and very passionate mm-hmm. about it. Uh, but it's also the people of the community and just how much they're passionate about it. I mean, Dave Fleming and I, we joke. We have our spots. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, the safari room is, is has always been a staple of ours and where sure. we stay. Uh, but, you know, Huckleberry's up on the hill. Like mm-hmm. we'll go up there and we'll have breakfast uh, on Saturday morning before we head to shoot arounds. And, mm-hmm. you know, I usually go just to get people think I only like the farm and flatbread, which I do, by the way, and everybody should buy it all the time. I just <laughs> Friday. But when uh, I go up there, I like I'll get like the chicken, apple sausage burrito and like a, a smoothie with like some greens in it and stuff like that. It's just mm-hmm. and you go up there and you read the newspaper uh, and, and you, you look around and people come up and they start talking and they're all, if you listen, they're all talking about the game and, and how important it is for that night. Mm-hmm. And there's very few towns. Like I live in Los Angeles, UCLA mm-hmm. basketball obviously runs through my blood. I mean, and yeah. people, people in Vegas, Rosby, were you rooting for UCLA? Well, mm-hmm. I played for them. What do you think? <laughs> you know, like, I mean, uh, yeah, I love the Zags. I love Mark, but yeah. I, I played. like, I mean, would you mm-hmm. ask Dan Dickow if he was right. rooting for, you know, the Gonzaga Bulldogs and being disappointed that he didn't say UCLA. I mean, it's right. just, stop. It's, it's, you know, but one of the things that I would tell you is what makes a distinct difference between those two programs mm-hmm. is that it is hard for UCLA to garner passion on a consistent basis from its fan base. Um, and whether that's the stresses of the school, whether it's a lack of interest, whether it's traffic, whether it's, you know, it's a nice day. We can go to the beach. It's cold. Mm-hmm. We can go to the snow, whatever it is. There, you know, the Super Bowl's in town, whatever it may be. Like, there there always seems to be something that you're having to kind of fight to make sure that you can garner that, that kind of thing. Now, they've had games this year where it's been sensational. Villanova and Arizona in particular were yeah. two great home environments for UCLA. Here's the difference. Every time I show up in Spokane, it's a great environment. Yep. 
Every time I show up to do a game, I've never left there and been like, oh, well, that's disappointing. They didn't really show out the best that they possibly could. You know, they, it, it's always fantastic. When my son came up for his 13th birthday, he, every time a child of mine turns 13, I take him on a road trip with me. Mm-hmm. And my son said, I want to go to Gonzaga. Mark had him do the half-court shot and shoot around. Great. He was literally brought into the huddle of the team by Josh Perkins. Mm-hmm. Like, then the student section found out he was there, and the kennel club brought him over from where his seats were and had him sitting in the front row doing the stomps and the swaying back and forth. As a father, do you know, I mean, how much, like, how much pride I had just, like, watching? I, I recorded him doing it. I get, and they, But, like, it's a, he loves Gonzaga now. Like, mm-hmm. and, and they didn't know, nobody had to do that. Mark didn't need to let him in to shoot around. Josh Perkins didn't need to bring him into the huddle post shoot around where they're rapping and dancing and saying mm-hmm. lots of crazy. Um, and, and he certainly didn't need the kennel club to bring him all the way over uh, and have him do all of that. But that's the connection that I have felt with Spokane. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I have, I felt good connections with other places. Yeah, I have. I think I have a great connection to BYU by the way, mm-hmm. but it's a, it's different. Yeah. It's different than what I have there. You know, you ask most people in Moraga that, you know, they think I don't like them at all. Um, and I'm like, really? Because you remember when I first started, Mickey McConnell hit the shot over the top of Rob Sacre and they won the game for the first time in like seemingly forever in that building. Mm-hmm. And every Zag fan, by the way, thought I didn't like Gonzaga. Instead, they thought I was a big St. Mary's guy because I was born and raised in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. So it's funny how different fan bases react mm-hmm. uh, to it. But to your question, what makes it special? All of those things that I just alluded yeah. to make it special. Jen and Robin at the, at the at the Davenport Hotel make it special. You know, um, when I show up to that hotel, like when I walk in, the people there are just welcome back. You know, you know, if I say, mm-hmm. hey, you know what, I, I, I've got 20 minutes between practices and I need to come back and grab something. Can you keep my car up front for me? Not only keep it up front, they'll, they'll, they'll keep it running, yeah. you know, and like I can run upstairs, grab what I need so I can get back over and, and do my responsibilities for work. So it's always just been a special place and, and it will continue to be a special place. And people like Barrett Henderson, by the way, the media relations director, mm-hmm. uh, I think he's one of the very best that we have in college basketball. Uh, he is always willing uh, to to listen to my crazy requests that I may have <laughs> on game day or or beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, again, it, any, they help, they help me make my job easier. And, and yeah. that's, that's always, you want to know one, one way to make me really happy, help me make my job easier sometimes. Yeah. And sometimes when I'm coming into games, I'm coming in hot and I don't have any time and, you know, I'll send them my game boards and they'll have it printed out for me and waiting at the table for me. Little things like that go a long way in, in helping me just be able to accomplish what I need to accomplish. Absolutely. Sean, one more question on this topic before we start talking a little bit about Chet Holmgren and the Zags. I got to know, you've had them both now, Cougar Tail or the Fartum Flatbread? Please, come on. That's, that is <laughs> close to me. I like donuts, but it's the Farnham Flatbread. I mean, now if they no change doubt. the Cougar Tail uh, to the Farnham Tail. Like, I mean, then maybe we'd have another, no, but, uh, no, it, it's, it's definitely the, it's definitely the Farnham flatbread. Uh, you know, like, I'll be honest, like I can't eat the whole cougar tail. Yeah. Like it looked like a lot. Like, I mean, it, yeah, it just feel like I'll go into like a diabetic shock and I'm not even <laughs> diabetic, but like, you know, like, so, uh, it, one of the things was, it was, uh, I take like four or five bites of it. Then of course they bring on air and then I'm like, okay, well now I've got to really, now I got to go into town on this thing. Cause yep. I'll do anything for ratings. Um, and uh, I, I went ahead and had it and it was great. And uh, after the game was over, there's like over half of the donut was still remaining. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm not bringing this back to the hotel. Like it's good. It's a really good maple bar, but I can't mm-hmm. like, I can yeah. eat 
legitimately the Farnham flatbread at lunch mm-hmm. and come back and have it as a post-game dinner snack as well and yep. and not feel like I'm doing too much and actually be like, yeah, can I get another one? Um, <laughs> the cougar tail, I can't even eat the whole thing. It's just too much sugar. All right. Thanks again to Sean Farnham for joining me today. We're going to come back in the second segment, talk about this Chet Holmgren kid who's had a pretty good couple of weeks here. Before we get there, though, let's talk about Built Bar. This is the time of year that I've pretty much given up on all of my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar, they're a treat. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate. In fact, all Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, puffs included. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from 2 to 300 calories. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. They have mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond. And new this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They are all delicious and all new flavors are coming out all of the time. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order at Built.com. Andy Patton here to introduce our new sponsor, Homefield. Homefield is a premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis, offering incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. Homefield kicked off big new Saturday season three, where they launch a new school on their site every Saturday for eight straight weeks. Gonzaga was week number two. Homefield dug through the archives and history of Gonzaga and found unique logos, mascots, and moments to make thoughtful designs for your school. They launched the Gonzaga collection on January 29th. If you have not seen this stuff, guys, the Zags collection, 14 pieces of apparel, t-shirts, hoodies, crewnecks, all vintage designs, really, really cool stuff. You'll want every single piece of this apparel line. I promise you that. The material is comfortable. It's well-fitting. It's unique. It's cannot miss Gonzaga gear. You're going to want this before March Madness. New customers at Homefield can get 15% off their first purchase from Homefield using code LOCKEDONZAGS at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. No, I do want to talk a little bit here on, on uh, Chet Holmgren and yep. the incredible, incredible run that he has had these last four games. It's been one of the most ridiculous things that I have seen in college basketball in my very short time watching college basketball. You've watched a lot of basketball games. I'm curious just your thoughts on what he has done lately and how, how big of an impact he has on this on this program. I think uh, I think I mentioned the numbers the other day. Um in his four games prior to Saturday. And obviously the numbers would be even improved from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's averaging like 19 points, 12 and a half rebounds and, and like three block shots. And then yep. he goes on Saturday and just, I mean, puts, puts on even a bigger performance than he put on. I mean, it, the last week was, was comical 
It really was. I mean, that, that minute and 38 seconds in San Diego, I just started laughing. I mean, people mm-hmm. watch the game. They Like, I had a couple of people text me, like, dude, all you did was laugh. And I'm like, what was I supposed to do? Footer, <laughs> like, standing, like, 15 feet away from me, dribbling the ball up the floor, dropping a three, running back down the shot, blocking the shot, dribbling the ball up the floor, getting a layup, going down, getting a rebound, coming down, hitting another three. Like, what What am I watching? Like, mm-hmm. there's, it's just not – see, the thing with him is it's not normal. No. Right to see a player that size that has the skill set that he has. Now, we can talk about his physical acumen and his mm-hmm. lack of body weight or girth and all that. That's fine. That's more of an NBA talk than mm-hmm. than it is his impact of what he's done at the college level. Um, but what he has done is he has found out there's two things. One is he now knows where he can get his shot and where he's comfortable getting his shots and how he can impact the game. He's more comfortable there, and that happens because – you know, just game repetition and opportunity to play. Then on top of that, you would then go to Mark Few having a better understanding of where to position him mm-hmm. so you can put him in those spots for him to be successful and have the kind of numbers and success that he's having right now. So I think all of those things have kind of meshed at the exact same time, yeah. which is why we've seen him in particular take off. And as the more he takes off, by the way, um, the more it's going to help guys like Julian Strother or mm-hmm. uh, Drew Timmy uh, or Andrew Nemhard and his improvement. I mean, I feel bad for Andrew Nemhard. Mm-hmm. Like we don't ever talk about him. Like, like that's why my open in the San Diego game was about him. Yeah. Uh, and then of course, as the game goes on, we spend all of our time going, Oh my gosh, Chet, what is he doing? This is unbelievable. Yeah. This is bananas. And at the end of the night, I'm, I'm but, but, but Nemhard had a really good game. Right. Like we're not talking about him. And Nemhard's mm-hmm. had a lot of those games this year, whether it's games where Timmy had over 30 and goes 13 or 14 shooting from the field. And I was like, Oh, Drew Timmy. And mm-hmm. deservedly so. But Andrew Nemhard has been the yeah. guy that has stirred this whole thing and, and kept it going. Um, and so, look, I, I think that he's a very – Chet is a very unique talent. Um, am I sold that he's the best NBA prospect right now in the college game? I'm not. I, I think Jabari uh, Jabari Smith is. Uh, mm-hmm. I think his frame is built better for his position. I think his lateral quickness and his his gait, in particular mm-hmm. his hips, how he, he, he can open up his, his hips and, and, and recover defensively, makes him a player that can immediately impact the, the NBA and, and make mm-hmm. him a guy – you know, could shoot the ball at 6'10 or from beyond the arc, can take you off the bounce, has a lot of similar traits to Chet, um, but but is a little bit quicker laterally and, and, and in particular in being able to defend out on the perimeter, which is where he will have to defend. Mm-hmm. Chet is a unique talent, but he's going to need a team that is going to be patient with him mm-hmm. uh, as he as he grows. I mean, because he has to physically grow into his body. And look, I don't ever think his frame is going to be big and bulky, but we've had guys in bigs in the NBA like a Giannis mm-hmm. um, who have a unique skill set, but is very, very thin or frail when they enter the NBA and they develop. And as they mm-hmm. develop, their game develops and they get stronger and more dynamic and quicker and bigger. And I think Chet has all those upsides as well. And now am I saying he's going to be the MVP of the NBA? I'm not. Mm-hmm. Uh, all I'm saying is stature wise there is the possibility for him to grow uh, and mature along the same kind of trajectory and arc of that of which Giannis's body changed. Then it'll be up to his play on whether or not he can maintain over 82 games plus non-conference plus postseason. What's the organization that he's playing for? What's the culture of that organization? Um, But I've been very impressed with his maturity. 
I've been very impressed with his continued development in his game and confidence in his games in a lot of ways. And what really impressed me is just the level of great teammate that he is. You know, I mean, you, you recruit the number one prospect in the country and you would think like, oh, this guy's going to have an ego. Everybody mm -hmm. says one pick in the draft. And the other night, and little things that fans maybe don't realize is, you know, Molly McGrath, who's going to be joining us, I think, more and more. She's going to be up at the game this weekend as well. Uh, she'll mm -hmm. probably be in Vegas for the tournament. Um, she went running up to go get Chet for the post-game interview. Of course we're going to talk about Chet because of mm -hmm. the game that he had. And Chet said the only way he'll do the interview is if we brought Julian on with him. <laughs> and it made her ask Julian multiple questions yeah. about his game before he did the interview with her. And that's that's great teammate. That's leadership. And that's what Gonzaga basketball has always been about. It's been about, you know, individuals have had great success, but it has always been about the collective group more than it has been about the individual. And it's about people that want to be part of that culture. And it may not be for everybody. You know, you, if you've got individual accolades that you want to get and you want to accomplish and your needs or your desires are more important than that of the team and winning, maybe you don't go to Spokane. But there's a reason why he's won 71 out of 75 games yep. uh, in the last four years now for, for Mark Few is because he gets the right guys and his staff do a great job of identifying the people that fit their culture and, and their identity so that you don't have to deviate from it or try to recreate it on a year in and year out basis. I think too, uh, you, you, you hit it right on the head talking about the kind of camaraderie among the players and the ability to to not have to be the guy all the time. Because I remember the second game of the year against Texas, Drew Timmy goes off 37 points. Chet Holmgren had, I think, two in that yep. game. And there was a lot of concern of like, uh-oh, like is he going to kind of fold in, in these big games? And now these last couple of games, Chet has gone off and Drew Timmy has been a little bit quieter. And you still kind of see some rumblings. Though. He's like, is everything okay with Drew Timmy? And for me, and maybe you can shed some more light on this, for me it's just – teammates being willing to to kind of defer to their other to to the rest of the team and coaches i mean it's hard enough to game plan against gonzaga i have to imagine it's the most difficult thing when they're when they're humming the way that they've been humming lately and then on top of that like if you game plan against drew timmy he's totally willing to let chet holmgren you know go off for 25 and vice versa and then you have you know the complementary pieces like julian who is, has led the team in scoring far more times than a lot of people would realize if you were to look at the box scores. And for me, it and just seems like that's such a culture thing. And in some of the biggest games, Julian Strother has led the mm -hmm. team in scoring. Um, listen, I, I think the, to the point is, is when you have as much balance uh, and you have so many willing passers, like, I mean, that's a, I mean, we talked about Mark Pope literally said to us, I, if I, there's some way I could get Mark Few to share the secret of how he gets his guys to pass the ball so well, I would definitely yeah. take it. You know, and I think every coach in the country would. I mean, they're they're on pace to to lead the nation for a third consecutive year in efficiency and scoring margin. I mean, that is just silly. I mean, they yeah. the this is a historic run of amazing offense uh, with different pieces that have been asked to do it. I think Drew Timmy is also very smart. I, I think he he is he he understands um, that the more he gets people to focus on Chet. And the more Chet has these games, it's going to come back around again. Like he's going to have more 30 point games. He's yeah. going to be in the NCAA tournament. If you want to win a national championship, you need the opponent to be fearful of every single player yeah. on the floor at all times, because there is not a defensive team like we saw last year from Baylor standing in the way of Gonzaga this year. 
Now, I, again, I, I don't think that this team is as good. I said this over the weekend, and I still believe it, and I still stand by it. It's mm-hmm. The gap is closing in my eyes as I continue to watch Chet's evolution in particular. Yeah. Um, but I, I, did, I didn't think that this team is as good as last year's team. Um, last year's team was so dynamic with like, and, and Corey was just an unbelievable leader. Um, but you're talking about multiple lottery picks. You're talking about Joel Ayayi, who was one of the best rebounding guards in the country and moved so well without the ball in his hands. And, you know, you had Nemhard and Suggs in the backcourt with the ability to handle the ball. And you're like, Oh my gosh, like they are just, it's just silly. It, it's, it shouldn't be legal to have this kind of, you know, this kind of roster. But then you look at this year's team. And, and again, I, I, I do focus on all of the details and all the parts, and I, and I do pride myself in how much I study to try to pre- prepare to provide a broadcast that I know that the Gonzaga fan base or any fan base, and this is the way I look at it from every game, is that I'm trying to give you something that you haven't heard 17 times already this year, right. 22 times already this year, you know, a thousand times over the course of the season. Yes, you will hear me say some of those things because I'm, I'm, I'm broadcasting to a large audience that may not watch all the Gonzaga games. Right. But I also know that like this game in particular this weekend, those two fan bases are going to be watching this game are going to be very familiar with their teams. They're going to uh, they're going to know exactly what Randy Bennett wants to do and what Mark Few wants to do. And they're going to hear the stories that I'm going to share a little bit at times on the individual players. But I'm not sharing those stories for those fan bases. I'm sharing it for those the larger audience that is coming into the window now that, that the NFL is ending and that the Super Bowl is around the corner and that college football is done. and that mm-hmm. they, They're starting to go, okay, who's the best teams in the country? And they want to see where Gonzaga is at. I'm trying to educate those fans as well. But the depth of this team is, is, is crazy. Uh, I mean, Anton Watson, we don't talk about at all, at all. And I've, I've tried to talk about him in, in each of the last two games to try mm-hmm. to highlight the fact that this guy's averaging almost 12 points per game for the last five games. Mm-hmm. Like you get five guys in double figures. Now you get six in double figures. Like, I mean, that's, that's nobody's doing that. Yeah. Nobody's doing that in college basketball. And then you've got Nolan Hickman, who I think next year will be the star of the team. I think he's going to have a Julian Strother type leap uh, into next season and become a household name. And I'm trying to prep your fan base. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to prep the national fan base that they need to know who this young man is because I think he's going to be really special. I don't mm-hmm. think he's just going to be good. He, he's ha- he makes some mistakes. He's a freshman. He's going sure. to make mistakes. But look back a year ago. Julian averaged seven minutes a game. Now he's projected to be a first-round pick. Yeah. Like That happens because players develop and grow in Spokane with this coaching staff and their skill development aspect of their program, I think is one of the most unheralded aspects of Mark Few. We talk about, oh, three McDonald's All-Americans and pros. And there's a lot, there's been a lot of guys that have turned pro that went to Gonzaga that weren't drafted as pros. They mm-hmm. developed into pros. And I think that, that that development aspect has never left, uh, which is why the consistency of the program has really not wavered for over 20 years now. What's incredible to me about this program is is it seems like Mark Few and the staff seem to know when their players are going to hit. Like they know that hey, this guy's a two year guy, this guy's a one year guy, this guy's a three year guy. And I, I mean, obviously there's maybe opportunities where they are wrong and we just don't know about it. But it seems like they hit it so well every time. Like Anton Watson's development, you mentioned that. Like he, it's so critical to have a big like him on this roster and kind of coming into the year, that was a question mark of, are they going to have a guy who can supplant Drew Timmy, who can supplant Chet Holmgren, who can give them good, you know, good scoring under the basket when Drew Timmy's not in the game. And they, they did have him. And like, we hadn't seen him be that guy for two years. And then he comes out, obviously he had some shoulder stuff. So maybe that was part of it, but 
it just seems like this staff, you know, with you look at Joe Eliai or Rui Hachimura and their development, like he, he, Mark Few seems to just get these guys peaking right at the right time. And you see this roster and how it's come together at this point. It's just an incredible ability to, to put the pieces where they need to be to have this team, you know, on a, on a championship route like they are right now. And I think Caden Perry is going to be there too. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I know he's dealing with the back injury right now and stuff, but I've seen flashes and glimpses of what he will be able to bring to the table. And I think to myself, you know what? That's going to be, he, he's going to be pretty good. Yeah. Absolutely. He's going to be pretty good. All right. Third segment coming up. Sean and I are going to preview the upcoming Gonzaga St. Mary's game and talk about the WCC. Before we get there, though, let's talk about Bet Online. There might be less football being played, but BetOnline.net has way more stuff to bet on this playoff season. From scores, totals, and player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. And it's not just football. BetOnline.net's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet online, where the game starts. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about the WCC uh, instead of just focusing on Gonzaga. Obviously, it's been a rough couple of weeks for BYU, unfortunately. Uh, but I still think, at least according to your colleague Joe Lenardi and a couple other bracketologists, the dream for a four-bid WCC is still alive in early February. This is the first time I can recall having a conversation. We've barely had conversations about three-bid WCCs. Now we're talking about four with San Francisco obviously having the year. You've seen a lot of these teams. I'm curious your thoughts on just kind of the emergence of the conference in general and, and these teams and their ability to, to make an impact in March. Uh, well, for, you know, they've had three, three times. I think it was 08, 12, and then they would have had it in 2020. I count yeah. 2020 because, uh, I mean, that year you would have had three teams that were wearing home uniforms mm-hmm. uh, in the opening round of the NCAA tournament with yeah. St. Mary's BYU, which was that BYU team, of course. That was the team that that knocked off Gonzaga uh, in Provo uh, with Childs, mm-hmm. Oz, and Toulson. I mean, they, just, they were just great. Um yeah. So I, I think that, you know, this this is deserved. And, and how do you get to this point? Well, multiple ways. One is I think Gloria Navarez, the conference commissioner, has done a tremendous job listening to the coaches. I mean, she's yeah. really listened to the coaches and been like, OK, so how do we prove this thing? How do we get this thing rolling? How do we how do we grow it even more than it already is? And first of all, hiring good coaches is important. Todd mm-hmm. Golden. That hire has, has been as important as any hire really in recent years in, in, in the WCC. I think Mark Pope is a tremendous coach, not a good coach, a tremendous coach um, that's that's going through a tough time right now, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, Randy Bennett has been as consistent as any coach really in all of college basketball. You think you look at the last decade, they're a top five winning percentage program or top 10 winning percentage program in college basketball. Uh, And Gonzaga obviously has been the number one winningest program in college basketball for the last decade. So when you have multiple teams, what it starts to do is it elevates up, right? Like the the, the tide lifts all boats. And Mm -hmm. um, what we've seen guys like Herb Sendek, by the way, and I think Santa Clara, had they not dealt with injuries 
yeah. uh, in, in, in most importantly to uh, Frank H, uh, that they probably would have been in this discussion to maybe be a five bid league. Yeah. I mean, that's like they're the one team that right now nobody really wants to play. I mean, like, like I get it. Nobody wants to play Gonzaga. Your fan base got all over me for saying that during the course of the game. <laughs> yeah, that's understood. Okay, but I, I, you're looking at those non non top four teams. Like, who's the team you hope is not on your schedule? If you're and you know two, three, and four, and you're trying to solidify your resume, it's Santa Clara right now. Yeah. Jalen Williams has been outstanding. Um, the freshman out of Arizona, good enough where he may end up going to the NBA draft. I think he probably needs one more year. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, I wouldn't be surprised if he at least tested the waters to see what they have to say because. There's only one other player in college basketball that has the efficiency if he has of plus 50%, plus 40%, plus 85% from the free throw line, plus 18 points per game. There's only two players in all of college basketball that have that. He's one of them. That, that's mm-hmm. saying a lot. Yeah. So I think all of these things kind of put together has been a melting pot. Uh, reducing the conference games, by the way, reducing mm-hmm. the conference games has helped because yeah. it allows for scheduling to be more aggressive. We've seen more aggressive scheduling. Uh, across the board in the conference. I think that that needs to actually improve even more. I think programs, there are certain programs that are towards the bottom of the conference that if you look at their non-conference schedule, they didn't play one power five conference team and you still Mm -hmm. come out with eight or you still come out with a struggling record. Well, to me, if I'm at those schools, like I'm going to take the game check for those Mm -hmm. buy games. I'm going to go schedule power five conferences. I'm going to help the revenue of our athletic department. And yeah, we're going to take some of those losses, but those losses will benefit me because we're going to really know where we got to get better. One, two is that when we get to conference play, our, our net ranking isn't going to absolutely destroy teams when we play them head to head. Um, Even if, even if we lose those games, we're helping our conference out. Uh, And I think that that's, that's, They've done a really good job of that across the board in the conference. I still think there's a couple of programs that need to jump on board with it, um, and that will help strengthen the WCC. But this this should be a historic year. Uh, I think that there's three teams right now that have really locked up and cemented their bid. Um, mm-hmm. St. Mary certainly has done that. They're, they're back in the top 25 this week for the first time all season long, deservedly so. They've won seven straight games uh, since they lost to BYU. This is not your normal Randy Bennett team, they don't have great shooters on the outside, but they are starting to shoot the ball better. Um, and they're going to make it a mess, right? I mean, they're going to defend. They're going to be physical. They're going to slow it down. They're going to completely try to take – you know, if there was no shot clock, we might only see one shot taken the whole entire game. I mean, that, that that's that's what they're going to do. Yeah. And so if they can frustrate you enough where that speeds you up into mistakes, and we've seen that before, like the championship game uh, with uh, – I, I I believe it was Josh Perkins was the point guard that year. And it, they, they just could not hit a shot. Yeah. Uh, Norwell couldn't hit a shot. Uh, they end up losing, I think, 56-50 or something like that. It was yep. like 35 points underneath the season average for Gonzaga. Yep. Um, and they just they just frustrated that team. And mm-hmm. you know that's what Randy's going to try to do probably this upcoming weekend. I would assume. I mean, why would you try? Yeah. You can't try to run with them because if mm-hmm. you try to run with them, you're just going to play yourself right off the floor. Mm-hmm. So I anticipate that that will be the case uh, coming up this weekend. But I think they've locked it up. I think um, San Francisco uh, has locked up their bid as well. I think their win at BYU is going to be good enough uh, to get them there. Obviously, it, there's a, probably the biggest game that they have had on the schedule in over 20 years. We'll be coming up a couple of Thursdays from now when Gonzaga shows up into town. Uh, Dave Fleming and I will be in person on the call of that game. I'm, I'm back in Bristol as we're talking right now. I'm not going to be in studio that week uh, mm-hmm. because that's a big game. Uh, and it look. If there's any team in the conference I think that could beat Gonzaga, that would be the one I would have probably earmarked and circled. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that is a difficult week for the Zags to go there. And then they're going to St. Mary's right afterwards. It's a double dip of two teams that are going to be in the NCAA tournament. Uh, BYU, their back schedule is so easy. Yeah. Um, they're the opposite of San Diego. Like everybody got excited about San Diego. Well, go look at the schedule and yeah. you'll see why San Diego had the success that they had to start league play. Um, when you look at uh, what BYU has, they have four games against Loyola Marymount and Pepperdine. Yeah. I mean, th- those are those, by the way, those are must, must win games. Um, but they should win all of those games. They, I mean, the BYU is a good basketball team. It, it didn't look like it on Saturday. It, it, it's, they've, you know, the loss to Pacific was a complete head scratcher, but they should be able to win those games. And then it puts the onus on the game coming up uh, in Moraga uh, on the 19th. Of just, uh, February, I believe, is the game. Um, that that becomes a very important game. If they can win that game on the road, I think that locks all four teams in the NCAA tournament. If not, we're going to show up to Vegas with three teams locked in and one having to put in some work. Sean Farnham, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come on the show, talk some Zags, talk some Farnham flatbread, talk some coaches versus cancer. Um, I'm going to share all of the links for that for people who cannot go to the event in Spokane on Friday at the Davenport Hotel. You have opportunities to donate to help out with this cause. Sean, once again, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. No no worries. I appreciate the opportunity to talk basketball. I love talking hoops. Uh, it's going to be a great event on Friday night. It's going to be a great game on Saturday. Uh, and it's going to be a great month as we get closer and closer to the NCAA tournament. And the Zags have, you know, the, the their, their eye is on the target still. And that's the most amazing thing to me is – the growth that I've seen from this team, from being in Vegas and watching them play there to where they're at now, uh, they are getting better. And I think that's the one thing that should scare everybody in the country that's a college basketball fan is that this team continues to get better. And my anticipation is they'll do that for the next three or four weeks and, and start hitting their stride right around champ week. Uh, and it's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun.